25 minutes before three. Let's see whether we finally have a proper clear line there to Australia, where Professor Adam Abib is hanging out, Vice-Chancellor of Wits University. How's it, Adam? Hi, how are you doing? Good. Thank you for making time for us. I know you're very busy. You're traveling. And also, there's been some shenanigans here with technicalities, but it's all sorted now. And um, I wanted to ask you, because you have many different hats that you wear, and we love all of them, setting aside your hat as a citizen and as a political analyst. As a VC, are you chuffed by this statement from the president? Will it make your life easier in terms of the numbers with your finance people? So it's really, it, it, on one hand, it's a, it's a very progressive statement, and one has to welcome it. On another, it really does worry me, because there's very little clarity on how you're going to pay for this. The last time I had a conversation with people at Treasury, they said to me that it's going to cost anything like $40 billion in the first year. And my big fear is that if government does not make that money available to the universities, then the universities will begin to go into a crisis. The quality will begin to decline, and we will do to higher education what we've done to primary and basic education. We effectively, we have a situation where grade fours can't internalize the reading that they do. Those kind of statistics could happen to higher education if we don't seriously uh, take seriously the issue of the financing. And that's what worries me about this. Not the fact that Zuma has made the call or that he's, he's promulgated it, but how are we going to finance it? And that's my fear. So just explain the mechanics to us um, around that, uh, Adam. So why is there, and I, I know this is a genuine question, and maybe a lot of us who are not into finance don't get this, why does the statement of intent on the part of the president not necessarily mean cash flows into the university and the TVET's accounts come January, February? Is, is that your worry, that the mechanism well, here for what this actually means in terms of the minutiae of financing, is, is that your concern? Before we get to the wide implications well, for the fiscus. Well, the, the question is immediately, when I open up in January, in which university you're going to have to need 350 million rand to run January, February, and March? Yeah. And in January, February, and March, government doesn't give us a subsidy. It gives us our first subsidy on the 1st of April. And so we require a large dose of money that comes in in first payments and related funding to actually allow us to run for those three months. And the big question is, is government going to make some monies available? In previous years, it made an advance available. Will that advance be made available? To what level would that advance be made available, et cetera? That's the first set of questions. Mm. The second is we've got effectively 1.6 billion that come in in fees every year. And if you say that out of that 1.6 billion, let's say 1.2 billion is fees from the missing middle, those, those under 350,000. Or let's say a billion is under those under, under 350,000. Has government got that entire amount to make sure that this gets it? Mm. Or is it going to go into a cash crunch in six months' time because it can't deliver that amount? Mm. And if it does, what do I do? when I have to pay salaries, when I have to pay lights, when I have to pay water, when I have to pay that. That's the big question. If government said to us, we declaring free education, here's how it's going to be financed. The 40 billion rand is kept aside and we're issuing the monies in January 1st 
and you will have all of the money for the rest of the year. I would be happy. It would give me a sense of satisfaction. But I've been and lived in South Africa long enough. I've understood public institutions long enough to know that's not the way government works. Mm. And to know that it sometimes makes decisions and then there isn't the financing that flows from it. And then it leaves the institution to grapple with the challenges. We've seen what has happened in the last two or three years. And if that happens again, then our universities are going to go into a, a crunch. And if they go into a financial crunch, they will compromise on the academic quality that we produce. And that's something that I think every vice chancellor in this country is particularly worried about. Two final questions, Adam. One, a factual one. Were you surprised by this statement or had the higher education leadership been engaged beforehand or did it catch you just left field as it did the rest of the country this morning? So there's parts of it that we knew that were coming. So, for instance, we, do, we did uh, expect, and you would have seen yourself had released a statement a day or two ago about the possibility of... Uh, there being no increment increase for those under 600,000, a repeat of last year's arrangement. So that did not take us by surprise. What did take us by surprise is the issue of free education for everybody below 350,000. That's the Masuka plan that had emerged some four or five weeks ago. You would have heard there was a big debate uh, in it in the newspapers. And then it seemed as if that matter had been put on the back burner. And all indications were that this this issue had been pushed forward to February and March as part of the budget statement. Suddenly, out of left field, what we saw today was the announcement by the president. And I think that actually it took many people in government by surprise. Uh, They didn't expect this coming because the conversations we had had with people had suggested that they thought that this had been postponed, at least for deliberation, in the February and March uh, finance uh, finance budget statements. Final question, Adam. Now I want you to speak as a political analyst. I mean, for me, what's happened, my take on it, and I want your take, and whether you agree with me, where or to what extent, I think what happened here is very simple. This president is desperate for legacy. He's being populist. He doesn't care about the fiscal implications. And he doesn't see that the writing is on the wall and that his legacy is so horrid and the crisis he's squandered out of the Mbeki years in terms of sliding further towards a neo-colony in a mafia state can't be reversed with one major seemingly pro-poor announcement on the face of it. But I cannot imagine any, that being the, the motive being anything but a desperate last-minute attempt here at the ANC's elective conference to suddenly think about your legacy now that it's too late. So, I, you know, I, I mean, there might be even a more cynical attempt. So, effectively, that may very well be one issue. The second, why at this particular moment, on the last day that you ANC president, does it not suggest that you make a populist gesture like this in a way that, uh, if you like, the, uh, compromises the new administration that comes in? Because suddenly it's got to figure out how the hell it's going to raise 40 billion for fees in higher education? Where is it going to cut that from? Remember, you've already got a trillion hole in the budget already as a result of interest payments and other things. And we've not been able to cover that. Now you've got another 40 billion. That takes it to 90 billion. How are you going to find 90 billion? Come next week, that might not be the problem of Jacob Zuma. It might be, it might be the problem of the new president of the ANC. Mm.
Absolutely. Adam, safe travels. Thanks for making time for us. And we'll engage these issues, which will be continuous, not least because of the consequences politically and for the fiscus as a result of this statement going forward. But thank you so much for dropping in today. Thank you, man. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Cheers. That was Professor Adam Habib. And fascinating there because obviously you'd expect the higher education sector's leadership to have been engaged to some extent. Doesn't mean that they, you know, have to approve of everything that the president uh, is about to announce to the country. But Adam saying there that as VC, that there were important parts of the statement that in fact has caught him by surprise, such as the uh, free education if you are below a certain threshold. Uh, that is not something that they saw uh, forthcoming. What do you make of this move? Do you, do you agree with me and with, with Adam? That in a sense, and it's a cynical take, that Zuma is simply uh, being motivated by a desperate attempt at building legacy? Um, or should we not be too speculative about the motive and simply assess the feasibility and the desirability of this particular policy statement announcement this morning? I don't know whether it's feasible. Um, and is it desirable? I do think it's desirable, but the question of whether it's desirable should all hinge on whether, as a society, we can actually afford it. And there's nothing in the statement that speaks to any sort of funding model. There's nothing in here that talks about the inherent trade-offs that now has got to be made in the fiscus. So I do have some concerns around that. But I also think that it is fair game to speculate about why now. Why on the last day that you're president of the African National Congress do you suddenly decide that you want to be incredibly progressive about um, tertiary education? How do you see it? Give us a call, 11